Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. Our lesson today is a continuation of what I started back on January 15th. I can't believe this is February 4th. My goodness. And that message was the value of trials and tests in our life. Am I clear? Can everyone hear me? The value, in other words, what good, what value do we and can we derive from trials and tests and temptations that we face? And I said then I chose this topic as part of what I am calling reality Christianity. Now, I don't mean like reality television. Reality Christianity is where we discuss with you some of the real issues and other matters that you most certainly will have to deal with during this new year, 2018, and really in the years to come. Uh, and let me say I had a test of my message this morning. I almost didn't make it here. I had walked out of the apartment, down the steps, headed down the sidewalk, which I've done for at least 30 years. And all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, I had the hardest fall literally on my face, right on my face, busted my lip. Blood was gushing out and one of the neighbors saw it and, and she thought it was, uh, it, it was pretty bad. I, I mean, my head really hit the uh, sidewalk. So the lip is busted. I don't know if you can see it, bleeding. So I went back and... Uh, put an ice pack on it for a few minutes and then came back out and, and rode with the ice pack down here. So I'm here and I'm saying to myself, you know, uh, I'm talking about trials and tests. And I said, what would it look like if I would let something like a busted bleeding lip keep me from coming and delivering the word? <laughs> you know, we, I mean, it didn't take my voice away. And, uh, and just to, to tell you about how the Holy Spirit helps prepare you. It's not so cold out today and I was going to wear a lighter jacket and then somebody said, wear your heavy jacket. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the heavy jacket I have. It's a down jacket. It's a P. Diddy design from years ago. It's from here to your shoes. Thick, thick, thick. So I could have injured arms and everything and I could have had bruises. But that, that jacket uh, shielded me from more. The only thing that wasn't sure was my face, and that's what got uh, the damage. So I was thinking to myself as, as I went back up the apartment, I said, now, how did I attract this to me, you know, this, this test and this little challenge? And I said, after all, I was really preparing to go to the corner to get a cab to come to church. And I, my mind was on the lesson today. So it came to me, the first thing you learn from what happened is that you shouldn't have your mind on the lesson and church as you're walking, but you should be careful how you walk and look where you're walking and so forth and so on. And because the sidewalk was a certain way, the last time you walked there with the snow and with the changes and with the abrasions and the abruptions that might happen, things can change and so forth. So that's my first lesson was have your mind on where you're walking. Now, let me say this. I always say that the Bible has an answer 
to everything. And so we're going to look at what the Bible says today about trials, tests, and temptations, and what value and good they might hold for us. Now, the Bible should always be our basic reference book for everything. And remember, and I want you to turn to this, uh, I didn't really have this in, 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 in the lesson, so you don't have this scripture, but the scripture in the back, by the way, is Romans 15, 4. I want you to look at this. Romans 15, 4. When you have it, do you have it? Because you need to always go back to this scripture to understand why we teach the word. Romans 15, 4 says this, for whatever things were written before, meaning written in the Bible, were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. The things that were written before that we study in the Bible were written for our learning that we, through patience, that's our patience, our endurance, our perseverance, and the comfort of the scriptures, based on what the scripture tells us in terms of what we have in Christ, what God has prepared for us from the foundation of the world and so forth, that we might have hope from our patience and from our knowledge of what comfort the scriptures provide. But it's for our learning. So we're going to see what the scriptures say about trials, tests, and temptations and what good it might come for this. Now, I don't recommend that you fall on your face to, to, to learn something. Uh, I, I think that's not the best recommendation. And let me say this at the outset, that when you see trial or test or temptation singularly listed in the Bible, it really refers to all three. So when it says whatever temptation has taken you, it's really whatever temptation, trial, and test. So just keep that in mind. Now, I began the real issues discussion on the first Sunday of the new year, and that seems like two months ago. <laughs> By dealing with the reality of the need to let go of the past, of the challenges, difficulties, hurt feelings, and disappointments of 2017, and to focus forward on the positive good that God has for all of us in the year 2018. Now, I also discussed in the second point the need for you to get on the right footing for the new year by getting in motion, by doing something, by setting your hands to some work, some project, some idea. And I gave a list of a lot of things that you might do and so forth in that lesson, but to get doing something, to get moving, and in so doing, also have a de determined focus on setting some time aside every day to study the word of God. Now, again, I chose this topic, the value of trials and tests in your life, because no matter what we teach, no matter what you learn, what you apply, or even how great your faith is, the possibility of some kind of challenge, trial or test or temptation will affect your life. And this possibility is very real. Now, this may not hit you directly. It can be something that affects a member of your family, but you are still involved. It could be a call in the night. And I can remember my mother getting some of these calls. There were 12 brothers in my family. And there were several times when she got calls in the middle of the night and one of the boys was in jail. You could get a call like that. Uh, you could discover that one of your 
offspring is addicted to drugs or some opiate, like so many are today. You could have a sudden loss in a family, a sudden death of a relative or loved one. These challenges are real and they can and are very painful. So I'm not saying this to frighten you or to have you stand in fear or to develop or to develop some unnatural expectation of impending challenge and doom. But it is to let you know that in every challenge, during every challenge and beyond the challenge, there's always the potential for good of some kind. And whether that good eventually unfolds for you, and I'm still looking to see how this busted lip is gonna unfold some good for me. By the way, one of the first goods is that I thought since it was, I mean, I really hit the pavement and that I felt my teeth, that it might have knocked out uh, a couple of front teeth. So far, they seem to still be there. And so to me, that's a good that came out of that. Busted lip will heal. Teeth are a little bit more difficult. Uh, but it depends on how you meet the challenge. So towards the end of last year, and I mentioned this before, uh, I talked about a little excerpt from George Foreman's book. You know, the box of George Foreman's book, God in My Corner, a spiritual memoir he wrote a few years ago. There's a section in his book called Storms Don't Last, where he tells a story that I shared with you then, and it's this story. Someone asked an elderly woman to recite her favorite scripture from the Bible, and she replied, and it came to pass. And it came to pass, the inquirer said, or asked, but that doesn't mean anything. Yes, it does, the woman answered. I know that whenever a trial comes, it doesn't come to stay, it comes to pass. It's not gonna be around forever. Now, there's so much wisdom in that little statement right there. A lot. Now, this phrase, and I want you to turn to Genesis 4-3 again so you can see that's the first time it's used in the Bible, then it's used throughout the Bible, well over a hundred times. Uh, and one person I was reading said, when you, had, when you add, and it came to pass, it's several hundred times. Look at James, uh, Genesis 4.3. And it says this, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. And I just wanted you to see that that was the first time it came to pass was used in, in the Bible. Now, the fact that trials, tests, and temptations don't come to stay, but come to pass is one of the first good things we need to know. It's good, for example, for me to know that I didn't have to be on the cement the whole day. I mean, I hit it, I got up, and it, it was over. It was over. But we need to know that things come to pass because of what the word tells us about trials, tests, and temptations. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And go again to James chapter one, and we're going to look at verses two and four. James, towards the end of the Bible, James, Peter, and John in Revelation. So it's at the end of the Bible, James chapter one. And we're going to read verses two and four. When you're there, you have it? Yes. James chapter one, verses two and four. In two, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Three, 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Four, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we are assured that it's a matter of when, not if. And every Christian believer has this potential challenge. But James assures us at the same time that these trials and tests that are sure to come bring with them a bundle of benefits. I mean, look what he says. Through the trial, you develop endurance. Verse number one, I mean, verse number two, the testing of your faith, that's the testing trial or tempting of your faith produces patience. Patience is endurance, perseverance, it's strength. And it signals that never give up spirit that we should all have as believers. Read again verse four, which says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Now, if we never get to any other positives in this discussion on trials, tests, and temptations, the three benefits contained here in verse four contain all that we could ever hope for. They represent real value, real good, perfection, completion, and lacking nothing, as in lacking no thing. I say if a trial or test will bring about perfection, completion, at a state where there's nothing that we lack, that's a valuable trial or test. That's what we call a profitable difficulty. You derive profit from that difficulty. Now, I cited this scripture from James 1, uh, verses 2 and 4, to show that it is a matter of when and not if that the believer will be faced with a trial or a test of some kind. It so happens that along with the definite statement of when, the scripture also contains those incredible, valuable benefits that I just went over with you there in verses uh, uh, 3 and 4. Other scriptures show that the believer can expect to face challenge, but they also show that the believer emerges victorious. For example, a favorite of ours that I cited when I went over this before was Isaiah 54, 17. Isaiah 54, 17, which says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, the very wording of this scripture tells us that weapons will be formed against you. But your assurance is that they will not prosper, meaning they will not succeed. Uh, they will come to pass. Now, again, we look at the life experience of Jesus, which tells us that trials and temptations come from our principal adversary, the devil. And that the believer can expect to encounter some of these. We see this in the wilderness, wilderness experience that Jesus had that's recorded in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter four. Let's turn there. I want you to see this. We're going to go over this. I went over this with you. I, I know last year I'm going to go over this again. Turn to Luke chapter four. And let's just review this quickly. Uh, Luke chapter four, we're going we're gonna to cover verses one through 13. I'm going to go over these quickly with you because uh, we've covered this before. It's in, in verse one, it says, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness Two, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Verse three, and the devil 
said to him, if you are the son of God, trying to put doubt, in other words, if you are the son of God, if you say who you are, or if you think you are who you say you are, uh, the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But in four, Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, out, uh, every word of God. I'm so used to the Old Testament, every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. In verse five, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Can you imagine the power of the devil to be able to do that? But remember, the dominion of the earth had been given to him by Adam. He showed him all of the, uh, uh, showed him uh, all of the uh, kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And six, and he says, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, as I just said by Adam, and I give it to whomever I wish. Seven, therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Eight, Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall worship. Nine, then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. 10, Jesus answered, for it is written, he shall, oh no, 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 no. This is the devil quoting scripture. Let me not read too fast. See, the devil knows scripture. This is the devil quoting scripture here at verse nine. The devil is saying, for it is written, he shall give angels charge over you to keep you. And it's the devil quoting more scripture. And in their hands, they should bear you up lest lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, the reason I'm having a little trouble reading this, this is very small print and the lighting falls in the wrong place right where I'm standing here. So, so, all right. So that's the devil quoting scripture. 12, and Jesus gives him an answer and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And verse 13, now when the devil had ended every temptation, so that gives us an idea that there were more temptations that are just not recorded here. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, and I'm gonna come back to this, little phrase here, until an opportune time, until he sees another opportunity. Now, we see that, we see here that Jesus used the word of God to reject and nullify every temptation delivered to him by the devil. What is he doing here? He's using the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, as his offensive and defensive weapon. And remember Ephesians 6, 17, write it down. You know this. It's in that whole sequence talking about the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6, 17 refers to this. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now the sword of the spirit is our weapon. That's what we fight with. Notice that uh, well, anyway, let me just continue. Now, I had you look at this encounter Jesus had with the devil because we learned so much from this little experience that we just read. In Luke 
4, the first verse, we are told that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, it's interesting. In the wilderness alone, I find this telling because when we experience challenges, tests, and temptations, it would appear that they often come when we are alone, when we're down on our luck, when we're down in spirit, when we're alone, separated from our support base, or when we at least feel that we are alone and separated from our support base, that sometimes these temptations, trials, and tests come. That's why we call these tests wilderness experiences, because you do feel alone sometimes. That's verse one. We also see in this encounter that a major source of the temptations in life is the devil. Temptations certainly do not come from God. And let me confirm this with you in the word. Go back to James chapter one. James, because you need to see this. This is when when and people say God put this on you and so forth and so on. When you're there, say you're there. This is James because I want you to see this. James chapter one, verse 13. And it tells us this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So that answers that question right there. And as already stated, we learn the use of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to defeat the devil. To put it more bluntly, we learn from the experience of Jesus that we see here recorded in Luke chapter four, that the word works if you work the word. You've got to know the word and then you've got to use the word at the appropriate time. It works. It works. Jesus used the word as his weapon. He did not notice. Pray or cry out to Father God to send down a bolt of lightning from heaven to strike down the devil, so forth. He used the word of God. Now, I just said that we learn that the devil is a major source of the temptations in our life. Guess who is the other major source of temptations? Anybody hazard a guess? Who? Who? That's a good guess. <laughs> but I'm going to show you this uh, in the Bible. You're in James. You just looked at uh, verse 13, James 1, 13. Look at James 14 and 15. Right there in first chapter of James, you're just going over two more verses, 14 and 15. It says this. After, after it says that God doesn't tempt anyone, 14 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. 15, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. In other words, you're enticed by, you know, some of the, the enticements that come from what you see uh, out there in the world. <laughs> and it reminds me, speaking of seeing, it reminds me of, of a story that Moms Mabley uh, used to tell in her routine. How many of you remember Moms Mabley? The, other, uh, the rest of you are lying. You're old enough to remember. <laughs> remember Mom Mabley. Mom Mabley tells this story that she's just talking to her girlfriend. She says, you know, I really have serious sinus trouble. I have a real sinus trouble. And the girlfriend said, Mom, you mean sinus trouble, don't you? She said, no, let me explain. I met this good-looking man and I went out on a date with him the other night, and my husband seen us. 
So I have a seeing problem. That's what happens to a lot of us. We see something out there that has attracted us. Now this could be, by the way, drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be a date that you shouldn't be going on and so forth. That, is that blood coming out of my lip? Wow. It's all over the paper here. Anyway, that's not going to stop us. I have a lot more blood than this. So we sometimes draw temptations, trials, and tests to ourselves by what? Wow. Uh, uh, by what some call the law of attraction. In other words, we draw things to us by what we think strongly about. You know, it's been said that a man is what he's thinking about all day. For example, if you're thinking about drugs all day, or if you're thinking about sex all day, you're going to attract to you things that get you involved in these things. That's the law of attraction. Now, I'm not going to... Thanks, Keith. I'm hoping this will stop. Now, uh, things that you think strongly about, and we get a good example of this from Job, and if you don't mind the blood, I don't mind. Uh, uh, Turn to Job chapter 3, verse 25. Job, it's right before Psalms. Job Chapter 3, verse 25. Here, Job says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. See, when you fear something and you dread it, it really means that you're thinking about this and you're thinking about, when is this going to happen? I know it's going to happen, and so forth and so on. If you think about it, you're attracting that to you. That's the law of attraction. Now, I'm going to come back to the law of attraction at some later message. You know that a lot of people have made a religion out of the law of attraction. And they say that's the sum total of what it's all about. Is that you attract to yourself by what you think. Everything that comes your way, whether it's good or bad and so forth. But I'm not going to get into that today. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Now, if you greatly fear that you're going to come down, for example with the same cancer that killed this or that person in your family, you are attracting this cancer to you by the expectations that it's going to hit you. If members of your family died at a certain age, you know, there's some families where people die before 50. If you think that's going to happen to you, guess what? There's a good chance that you will draw that to you. Now, There are some things that we attract to ourselves by what is called race consciousness. Race consciousness. Now, you may not have ever heard this phrase before. I'm not talking about racial consciousness, race consciousness. Uh, I'm talking about race consciousness refers to those collective beliefs that have become accepted as norms by the race of man. For example, we expect that as we get older, we're going to trip and fall on our face. <laughs> that we're going to become senile. Or that we're going to lose strength. 
and so forth, that our sight is going to get. We expect those things. So by the process of expectation, this is in the race consciousness of mankind, uh, these things happen. Uh, some people think that you, uh, they think that, you know, that by a certain age, uh, you're going to become senile and so forth. If you think that, that that's in the consciousness of a race, that is very likely to happen. This common phrase that, that uh, yeah, I have tissue. Uh, I have tissue down there. Thanks. Yeah, yeah I've got, oh, you're going to give me some ice, huh? Well, you know what? You know what? Just let it bleed. <laughs> thanks, 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 Fred. Thanks, Fred. If I can get through this, uh, I mean, this is the one that I used to hear all the time, and I hear it even today. Whenever I get my feet wet when it rains, I catch a cold. If you expect that to happen, guess what? It's going to happen. Now, before we leave the story of, temp- of the temptation of Jesus by the devil, let me point out two other things that we learn. Uh, we can see this at the end of the experience and look at Luke. Go back to Luke and look at verse 13. We read it, but go back and look at it again at the very end of the temptation. Now, Luke uh, 4 verse 13 says this. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation... He departed from him until an opportune time. That is what he does to us. He looks for an opportune time. And an opportune time for a lot of people, again, when you're feeling alone, when you're feeling by yourself, it could be that you've got a a divorce situation or your spouse left you. It could be when you lose your job or when you're downsized and, and you have a financial challenge. It could be when you lose a loved one. In other words, he's looking for an area of weakness in your life and so forth. And then he remembers that you used to be an alcoholic. So when you have a problem, he's going to make sure you pass a bar or whatever, or actually you're going to attract that bar to you that you pass and and so forth. So opportune time, look for that. And you may be tempted with, uh, with, with, with such things when you're challenged to question why God let this happen or where is God? so forth. And then really, God really has nothing to do with it. Now, any of these life challenges may be an opportunity because you are in a vulnerable state uh, of of disappointment, sadness, or grief. Now, to guard against providing a devil with opportunity, there's some things that we must do. And go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter. 1 Peter is after James. It's Peter, and then it's John. Back where Revelations is. I'm going to give you a chance to get there because you need to see this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And it tells us this. Be sober. <laughs> In other words, don't be drunk. <laughs> be alert. I wasn't alert this morning. Be vigilant. Be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be Sober, be vigilant and alert. Be vigilant and alert with the knowledge of the word, you know, built up in us. Now, the final point I want to make about what we learned from the temptation of Jesus by the devil is the fact that they can often serve, meaning these temptations or trials can serve as a preparation period. In this preparation period, you are developing strength. You're growing in your knowledge of the word. 
the things of God and you're developing spiritual strength and you're developing world knowledge about what you need to do to not fall into this situation again. In other words, maybe you're learning that instead of spending all of the hundred dollars you make each week, put $10 into a savings account so you'll have something for a rainy day. So you, 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 uh, you do learn, you do learn things, but you develop uh, preparation from these trials, tests and so forth. Obviously strength, endurance, perseverance is one of the things. Uh, and then, but the preparation is for you to move to your next stage. And we find this really in verse 14 of Luke 4. Go to verse, Luke, go to verse 14 and 15 in Luke chapter 4. Go back to Luke chapter 4. I'll give you a chance to get there. When you have it, say amen. This is Luke chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. 14 says this, then Jesus returned. This is after the temptation. It says, then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and news of him went out through all the surrounding region because he was teaching then. He began his ministry and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. What you see here is that after the trial and test period, Jesus' strength was developed he was stronger in the spirit and he began his, he actually began his ministry after this point. So after you go through and endure and grow through uh, a trial or a challenge or test, it's preparing for you to move to your next level of development in life and so forth. Now, thus a great value that comes out of the trials and tests and temptation in life is the growth and preparation that you gain from it. As I like to say, you uh, it's not how you go through the experience, but how you grow through the experience. It's the growth that's important. Always, growth is within every challenge that we have if you meet it uh, in the right uh, frame of mind. Now, and you can see the truth of the statement that no one door closes but another opens, and that sometimes denial. In other words, you didn't get that promotion or you didn't get, denial is not always a bad thing. It's not always holding you back, but it's paving the way for something greater and better. Now, let's go back to trials and tests and cite another example from Jesus. Jesus tells us that the very fact that we're here on earth, in this world, we can expect trials and tests. Go to John, the Gospel of John, Verse 16, I mean, uh, chapter 16, verse 33. Go to John. Are you there? This is John chapter 16, verse 33. Gospel of John, 1633. Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you that, my, that, uh, that, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He's saying in the world you have tribulation. That's, that's your trial, test, and, challenge, and, uh, and temptation. The point here and the good news is that our victory over trials and tests and temptations in the world has already been secured by us, by, secured for us by and through Christ Jesus. How we overcome the world is further explained, how we overcome the world is further explained in 1 John. Go back to 1 John again. That's right before Revelations. 1 John 
1 John chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 1, 4, and, and uh, 5. This is 1 John chapter 5, verses 1, 4, and 5. And verse 1, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. That's us. For, for whatever or whoever is born of God overcomes the world. We overcome the world by our sonship, by being in Christ Jesus. And this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Five, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So this is something that you can ponder on and think about a lot. In other words, when our sight and focus is on Christ Jesus, when we are in Christ, when we know what our right standing is in Christ, when we know what we have, where we are, what we can do and so forth in Christ Jesus, we can ignore the world. When I say ignore the world, ignore the world systems, which can give you your ups and downs and so forth. So it's a combination of our belief and faith in the fact that Jesus is the son of God that enables us to overcome any and all trials, tribulations and temptations we encounter in life. The victory of Jesus on the cross over 2000 years ago is what gives us the victory today. As we just said today and we say in communion every month. Now, Jesus went to the cross because of his great love for us, which never, never ceases. Now, let's look at something that Apostle Paul wrote about the great love that Christ has for us. Go to Romans chapter eight, Romans chapter eight. And we're going to look at verses 35 and 39. I see blood is all on my shirt, so I'm going to give the church a bill for this. (laughs) Romans chapter eight, verses uh, 35 and 39. Are you there? Romans 8.35 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril, peril or sword? 36, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. 37, yet in all these things, that's in all of the challenges, the tests, the temptations, all of the things that you encounter in life. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are conquerors through Christ who loved us. 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities. Let me just stop here. Now, if neither death nor life can do it, certainly a trial or a tribulation can't do it. But anyway, 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us, separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing, no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad you think you are or have been, nothing separates you from the love of God. Christ Jesus. You keep that in mind because people will tell you, you know, you're so rotten. You can't, you can't ever expect for anything good to happen to you. You can't expect God to help you. do. No, nothing separates you from the love of God. And I have since when I, from the time I first read this, this became part of my memory bank and you should keep nothing 
separates you from the love of God. You can't do anything. I mean, there are a couple of things you can do, but we'll talk about this. But for the most part, you can't do anything to separate yourself from the love of Christ. Now, all of these scriptures I have given you are in the word to show you, first of all, for your learning, that you, that no matter what trial or test or tribulation you might face in life, you are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. To top, to top it off, uh, we already have the victory through Christ Jesus. And we're told this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. You can write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. It says this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors. We already have the victory. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, no matter what you're going through. Now, it's good to know that we already have the victory so that no matter what we go through, uh, uh, that nothing is greater than the he that is within us, the help and power that we have in hand based on the love of Christ and the fact that we spent months on last year that the Godhead dwells within each one of us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The challenge to you is to hold fast to the victory that is already yours and know that the trial or temptation did not come to stay, but it came to pass. Now, this little phrase came to pass that we talked about uh, before today and, and, and last year is a favorite one of mine, and it fits right into today's message. For no matter what trial or test you may be facing, and this year, 2018, it did not come to stay. It came to pass. So this is my message to you. You don't want to hold on to the trial or test, which contains the cause of your distress. But you want to find out the value and good that comes out of the challenge. And you find that by growing through the challenge, not by holding on to it. A lot of people, when, when they are hit with something, they will hold on to it and, and nurture it for all it's worth to get all of the sympathy, to get all of what somebody might give them, all the visitations, all of the free food and all of this and whatnot and so on. So, no, don't hold on to it. Let it, it it's come to pass. So that's, 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 that's the message about it's coming to pass. And the good may be seen in the things that you learn by way of the growth in your life that resulted from the challenge. So again, a good thing that you need to know about the trials and tests and the storms in life is that they do not come to stay. They come to pass. Don't hold on to them. Let them go. Now, I've already talked about the fact that these tests and temptations will definitely come. And again, I said, it is not a question of if, but when. And let's look again at Jesus, whose whole life was one of trials and tests. Turn to Luke's gospel, Luke 22, 28. Luke chapter 22 and look at verse 28. I'm sorry, look at verse, uh, yeah. Luke chapter 22, verse 28. Jesus says this to his disciples, but he's also speaking to us. He says, but right now he's saying to them, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials. What I want you to see here is that not in my trial, but trials, plural, he had many trials and uh, so you see that he had trials, plural, but in each case, they came to pass not to stay. 
Now, earlier we talked about what Jesus said in John chapter 16, 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, these things, and you can mark it down. We, you went to this early. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, I want to give you here a little of a more expanded understanding of what tribulation means and show you the value of tribulation and so forth. As used in the Christian context, tribulation means affliction, sorrow, anguish, and so on. So in the world, a believer can expect to encounter some affliction, some sorrow, some anguish. But let me give you a key to better understanding this process. Tribulation comes from the Roman word tribulum, T-R-I-B-U-L-U-M, tribulum. I mean, you can look it up for yourself, T-R-I-B-U-L-U-M. That's a Roman word, tribulum. And what tribulum means is the threshing machine or roller used by the Roman farmers to separate the corn from the husk. Tribulatio or tribulation in its primary meaning was the act of separation, separating corn from husk, separating, we might say, the wheat from the chaff. An early Latin church writer appropriated the word tribulum and the image of the tribulation uh, as a way of establishing a higher truth. And this truth is that the sorrow, distress, and adversity in life are appointed means of separating in you whatever is negative, trivial, weak, or poor, or sinful, separating that from the solid truth of your reality, which is your spiritual self, the spirit man on the inside, your true self. It's to separate those negative things that don't belong to you from your true identity, which is your spirit self, your identity in Christ Jesus. These trials of sorrow and anguish were called tribulations. Uh, stress, uh, the threshing, the tribulations, can't hardly say the word threshing, you know, the threshings of the inner spiritual man to produce in him the higher and true spiritual nature of his character and practice. And we know, because we've talked about this before, that this is the function of the Holy Spirit that's working from the inside through the washing and regeneration of the spirit and, and so on. Uh, I'm just going to take a couple more minutes to, to cover a couple of uh, additional thoughts. In a spiritual sense, the tribulations we have in the world can be valuable cleansing and elevating processes. Sometimes when we go through a challenge like cancer, for example, it teaches us how to better take care of our body, how to be a better judge about what we eat. And this was a case of my sister, Dr. Betty, when she had her challenge with life-threatening cancer. She never drank a lot of water. She didn't, she, like me, we used to drink 12 or 13 cups of coffee. That's, I drank water. She didn't drink water. She didn't drink water. She didn't eat a lot of vegetables and fresh fruits. So after that bout with cancer, uh, she changed her eating habits and so forth. She definitely drinks more water, less red meat and so forth. So you learn more about how to take care of yourself sometimes through these challenges. So what Jesus is saying here is that you will definitely have tribulations in the world but the battle against any negative aspects of these forces in the world have already been, already been defeated by him. So learn the good from them that you can value and so forth. So what we believers have to do is to maintain our faith 
that the world, meaning the world systems, have already been subdued on our behalf. It was subdued by the victory of Jesus on Calvary over 2,000 years ago, which we talked about in communion this morning. Now, in terms of being tried, we, have all, we know that the disciples and the apostles of Jesus all went through all kinds of tests. And we will pick this up next time. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.